Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. Today I'm joined by Scott McDermott and we're going to be looking at a few of the issues surrounding Rangers over the last week. First of all, we're going to touch on the departure of Director of Football, Mark Allen. We're going to look back over Rangers' 3-1 win over Livingston and look ahead to Thursday's Europa League clash against Feyenoord at Ibrox. Scott, first of all, let's start with um, a man that you've been dubious about, I would say, over the last couple of years. You've not held back at times. Yep. Mark Allen, um, how do you think Rangers fans will reflect on his time at the club? Uh, good question, Johnny. I think <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Uh, listen, the, the reaction that I've seen on like, social media, fans' forums and stuff, uh, seems to be fairly positive about uh, Mark Allen's time at the club. Um, largely due to the fact that he brought Steven Gerrard to Rangers. Um, he's the man credited with going and getting Gerrard um, by identifying him as the next the next manager. And listen, that's something you can't hold against him. No, Rangers needed a big appointment. Um, it was a big change when you think you know, some of the stuff we did when Gerrard was appointed. There were a lot of, you know, a lot of question marks. Um, this kind of rookie manager going for Liverpool under 18s into, into Rangers, it was a big a big move, but you have to say you no. Know, despite no winning a trophy, we all know there's been you no know, real tangible progress at, at Rangers since Gerard arrived, things he's put in place, standards that he's brought in, uh, the level of player that's come in um, Rangers are in a far better place with, with Gerard as manager, so that is the one that is the one big positive, I would say, to Mark Allen's tenure. In terms of being dubious, to be honest, I'm just a bit dubious of directors in football. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. It, it's nothing uh, personal against against Mark Allen. Um, listen, I, I think I would argue against some of his uh, recruitment, some of the signings that, that he's made. I don't think have been good enough. No, you think guys like Gresda off the top of my head. Two million pound. Uh, now they can't get him out the door uh, because he's been so bad. And but my thing with director of football, uh, I, I wrote a column for the Sunday Mail a couple of weeks ago, and this was just no. They strike me in general as people who you know, like a lot of the credit when things go right, but as soon as anything goes wrong, like a bad signing or like you no know, a poor managerial appointment. That the director of football puts his hands up and says it's nothing to do with me. I don't make the big decisions. I just put a recruitment team in place. I do this. I do that. I'm not buying that. I mean, there's I not the, there's not the level of accountability that there is for a manager exactly for a director of football exactly. I, listen, I totally agree with you, but th- does there need to be? It's surely the big decisions are who you put on the pitch, how you coach that player. And and how you set them up on that pitch? Yeah, but if you're going if you're going to get down this modern road, you know, that so many clubs seem to be uh, going down now. We can. Uh, Scott's in his thirties, by the way. Yeah, he, he might sound like he's in his <laughs> late fifties, but he's but, just spent too much time around. I know. Listen, old Steven, Steven Gerrard's more of a more of an old school manager to me. He doesn't want to be a first team coach. Yeah. He, want, he wants to be a manager and. That actually brings about a whole different argument as to whether Steven Gerrard actually wants a director of football. Well, listen, I'm going to stop Rangers. you there because I've got some quotes on that. Michael Beale gave a fascinating interview with a Chelsea-based podcast, Chelsea fan podcaster. Yep. Um, and he talked, I think I've seen this. Yeah, and I think it was really, really um, interesting revealing about the way that Rangers now set up and operate. And, and, and Mark Allen's 
place in that, really. Um, he said, we complement each other in many ways. I've had many years of coaching with different players and different things, while he has had all those years of being a hugely successful top player. So he's talking about Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. He says, when you merge the two together... And in between us, Gary McAllister and Tom Colshaw and Jordan Milsom, uh, Tom Colshaw is the technical coach, Jordan Milsom is the fitness coach, you have everything in the building first. Um, Stephen has tried to bring all the right ingredients together to give him the best opportunity to move Rangers forward. Um, he goes on to say, the most important thing is that we have a clear identity as a management team led by Stephen of how we want to play and then it's our jobs as coaches to go and put on the training sessions that develop the players towards that. Ultimately, we didn't have a lot of players when we arrived, and we felt we could. So we felt we could do what we wanted. So then you have to be, uh, have to have a big recruitment drive, bring young, hungry players in that can play. Um, then it's all about the experiences of Steven Gerrard and Gary McAllister in terms of them being big players and their mentality and the mindset you need to have. Then using myself and Tom and Jordan's methods of coaching and nurturing players and putting all that together in a fantastic club to have a chance of moving forward. It's a really exciting and complex project. So you see in a way that Gerard surrounded himself with people who can do different things within his management structure. Yep. Um, and he says, Stephen is a very, very good coach, but he wants to be a manager. Yeah. I'm obsessed with X's and O's, how this practice does this and how this practice does that. But the manager will be obsessed with the team to pick, managing the players off the pitch, managing the one-to-one -one relationships and the media, managing upwards with the board and outwards with the fans and the academy. My job is much more simple. So, so you already get a sense there that Steven Gerrard, in a way, has kind of set up a modern footballing structure. Yep. And the place for a director of football at Rangers is perhaps less needed than it might be at other clubs because of this structure. I agree with that. Um, and I've already said that I don't necessarily see the need for a director of football at, at Rangers or Celtic for that matter. Listen, Rangers and Celtic are massive clubs, no institutions, and no, they want to be run in a very modern, no, up to date way. And that seems to be having a director of football, technical director, whatever you want to call them. But Rangers and Celtic, whether you like it or not, are in a small pond in, in Scotland. Um, it's a two-horse race for the title. Winning is everything. No, second is is nothing. If, if you finish second, you'll be you'll be out in your ear. So it's a different environment to, for instance, the clubs that we can allot down south, like a Southampton or wherever that that is in this now massive. Uh, pool, no, but it's the Premier League. It's no everything that goes with that. Huge academy, uh, training centres. You're shopping for players in every market, not just in Europe but in the world. Rangers and Celtic can't do that. They're dealing in small markets, and I just don't see. Of course, you need a, a recruitment team behind the scenes, and you need to sort out your scouting. You need to sort out your youth academy. And again, it's nothing against Mark Allen. I just, I just, I, I'm not sure. I see the need. I mean, I've watched Celtic. I've obviously went and won no eight titles in the trot without a without a director of football. Um, Celtic were making signings like Wanyama, Van Dijk, no Forster, Hooper, who all went, uh, who all made them big big profits. Stuart Armstrong, uh, Moussa Dembele. No, that's a whole list of them. Uh, none of them were done with a director of football. They were done with really good scouting really good decision makings and good managers 
And I think Steven Gerrard is a bit old school like that. As you say, he's surrounding himself <clears throat> with good coaches, people he can trust. He actually likes being in contact with Dave King and the board. I don't think he needs that middleman there to go and... No, I don't think Steven Gerrard's the type he's got to go and kind of complain to Mark Allen if he wants something done at board level. He would just go straight to Dave King. In the same way, uh, uh, Walter Smith would have went to, to Sir David Murray back in, the, back in the day. So, I'm not that surprised that, that Mark Allen's gone. Um, I think he did, no, partly what, what he... What he had to do in terms of we keep hearing about stuff behind the scenes. We know the recruitment team's now in place. Uh, we know the academy's working a lot better. Although I think you know, the academy was pretty much in place when he got there uh, under Craig Mohan's stewardship. Um, but I just never got the impression for Mark Allen that it was going to be a long term, uh, a long term project for him. And I have to say, I mean, I don't know any of them personally, obviously, but. Having dealt with them you know, in this job, having interviewed them several times, obviously Stephen Gerrard more than more than Mark Allen, it's just a personal thing. But they strike me as different characters, different personalities, different people. And I know Stephen Gerrard uh, spoke very highly of Mark Allen when he left last week, and that no, those sentiments might might well be a hundred percent true. I don't know, but I, me personally, I just felt. No, these two guys really in sync with each other. I'm not so sure. Yeah, because um, one's a, a, a sort of middle-class corporate guy to his core. Yeah. And another guy is a sort of engine room, working-class yeah. guy who's, who's fought his way from, from the, the bottom to the top. Let's have a look at his quotes. He said, uh, this is what Gerard said about uh, Mark Allen. He said, Mark has been brilliant for me and given me incredible support. He sold the job to me, not that I needed selling, as the man who came in and got me, which I'll always appreciate. But I totally respect and understand his decision. He's lived away from his family for two years and he was brought into this club at a time when it needed shaking up. Mark was a person and the character to do that and get the club to where it is now. I would have wanted him to stay around a bit longer, but I respect his decision. I think the crucial thing about what Gerard said is his comments after. He said, in terms of whether the club um, put a similar person in that role and how long that will take, there are questions you'll need to ask the board. But I'll probably be involved in that yeah. process. I'm sure there'll be a queue for the job, but it has to be the right person. So the, the you get the sense that Stephen Gerrard wants to be the guy that's leading this club forward yeah. from now on. And, and if there is someone that's going to take up that role, director, football, technical director, it's going to be part of his team yeah. as opposed to him part of someone else's team. Exactly. I mean, the, the most interesting aspect of Rangers' statement uh, when when Mark Allen left for me was what it didn't say and that was normally at the end of these type of statements there'll be a line saying no the recruitment process to bring in a replacement starts now or we've already started looking at yeah. potential replacements there was none of that and to me that raised a question immediately no, do Rangers or, or will Rangers actively look to find another director of football Um I mean, I spoke to people at Rangers on Saturday and the kind of no, word coming out from there is that they're going to take a lot of time with us. No, they're not going to rush into anything. 
they do or they would like to appoint someone but as you say will it be a director of football will it be a technical director will it be a head of recruitment even I, th- I think we've already seen and Mark Allen talked about this when he first was interviewed after taking the job I think it took him about six months to appear in front of cameras remember yeah. um, he said look the Rangers director of football role is a bit different to some of the other roles that we've seen where I think Craig Levine would be an example when he was director of football uh, under with a coach underneath him he was quite prominent. He would give the odd interview. You know, he would. He was the kind of de facto leader of the club. Yeah. Whereas Mark Allen said, "I'm not the public face of the club. That's the manager." Yeah. And it was part of a structure where there was both a director of football and a manager, as opposed to the probably more traditional one, where it's a director of football who's essentially the de facto boss and then a head coach yeah. who, who's underneath him. That, that's not Rangers' structure and it never has been. No, because a lot of, no, in a lot of cases, the director of football would actually have a massive say in getting rid of the manager. Yeah, if exactly. If weren't good enough. Clearly, that's not going to happen at Rangers. No, I would suggest Gerard is too big a, too big a personality, too big a character. Um, for that to happen, no, if anybody's going to decide Stephen Gerrard's fate, it'll either be him or Dave King. Um, if they decide that no things aren't aren't good enough, trophies haven't been won, no, they haven't progressed the way they the way they'd like. So you're right, it's it is a bit different, but I just don't think I I, I go back to my initial, but I don't know if there's enough to be done there that Rangers need to go. And no, let's face it, spend big money to go and get a no, go and get a proper director of football. And I think what you've said, Stephen Gerrard, has got a really good structure there, a terrific coaching team behind the scenes. Listen, we know there's there's been good work went on behind the scenes at, uh, at Ibrooks and and the training ground uh, in terms of kind of updating things, you no know, freshening things up a bit. That's been that's been ongoing, I think. And I'm not saying. Mark Allen might have had a big, a big part to play in that. But the two, let's be honest, the two crucial aspects of this are, if you no, know, away for the first team is recruitment and academy. And I think there are still question marks over the recruitment. It's why I would have question marks over over Mark Allen, um, because he put that recruitment team in place. And to be honest, I think there's still question marks over the the academy. I think Rangers are producing. A lot of good young players through the, the Scotland national teams. They've got more than anyone else more, in that under twenty one side. I for think example, they're doing yeah. well in that department. But the key factor that we always go back to is are they producing enough players for Rangers first team? And I actually don't think it's too early though to judge Mark Allen on that. He's only been there yeah, two years. Yeah, of course. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. I think the academy structure was pretty much there when when Mark Allen came in. And again, that goes back to you no. Know, was it really necessary for mm. him? You no, know, for him to come in. So, um, there, there are things that need needed improved on. But but do you really need to go and get another director of football to do them? I, I'm not so sure. Yeah, normally I would say every big club needs a director of football. But I actually haven't thought about it. Having read that Michael Beale interview. I can see why Rangers don't, because they have effectively the same structure in place. They have all the modern aspects in place. Um, and the recruitment team and the academy, um, everything seems to be set up, and it seems that Gerard wants to take on that role. And, and if he does that, and he's got somebody to do his coaching, then that's effectively that that structure yeah. to, to an extent. Um, and I think as long as the a club, a big club like Rangers or Celtic, has an approximation of it, that's absolutely fine. 
clubs don't just need a director of football and that's it. They need a modern structure. Rangers, it looks to me, ha- like looks to me like they have a modern structure in place. The only, the only thing I'd say is in terms of director of football, one of the things that that is supposed to be in their remit is identifying future managers. That that is the one thing that's missing. Isn't it? That's the one thing that. No, who does that? If if Mark Allen is now obviously in days gone by, it was it would just be the chairman or the board would go and decide. But that's becoming more and more difficult. And we, no, you look at the Pedro Cachinha appointment as a no a really bad example of, of that and where it can where it can go wrong. That's where Mark Allen got it right. You have to say we going for Gerard as we said at the start was a big gamble, but it looks as if as if Rangers have got it right. No, we were critical at the time when Cachinha left because you know, the whole Murty thing, but it looked as if Rangers didn't know where to turn. Looked as if Mark Allen you no know, didn't have any alternatives up his sleeve, but he, he came up with Gerard at the at the end. And as I say, that's one of the things that would be important in terms of having a director of football there as if as if things are going badly or you, you sense that there's going to be a change. Um no, further down the line, you need to be ready to act and have somebody have somebody lined up. Because normally a first team manager doesn't have the time to control the academy in a sense that they're going in there, they're managing what's coming through. But perhaps with the structure that Gerard has there, he can do that. So as you say, that's the other aspect that I would have concerns about if there's not a director of football in there. But given the structure, perhaps you're right, the only the only missing aspect is that who would who would be his successor. Yeah. But perhaps they already feel that there's someone within the team who could step up and do that if Gerard was to leave. I don't know. Perhaps they think that there's a there's a boot a boot room type environment there. But you, you get the impression if, if Gerard was to leave that he would be taking these guys with him. Yeah. Um so it's uh, these questions uh, to be to be asked and we'll see what happens with that. It, listen, t- just in terms of the in terms of the actual recruitment no, without going over every signing, my, my criticism of of Mark Allen or the, or the recruitment team would be that a lot of the a lot of the signings to me seemed like obvious. Yeah, I mean, in layman's terms, me or you could have went and signed. Yeah, we we know that Alan McGregor was going to yeah. be a good goalkeeper. We for know Rangers. Got, we know that Stephen Davis is going to be a good. We know that Scott Arfield's going to be a. Well, you didn't think Stephen sign. Davis would be a good signing. No, I didn't think he would be a good. <laughs> Attacking midfielder, as has proved the proved the case, Johnny. He's a he's now a sitting midfielder as we all know. Um, Print the legend, mate. What's that? <laughs> Print the legend. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, if you're going to have a director of football, no, you're going to spend that money, and that's going to be your structure. I would expect a director of football to go. No, when he puts that recruitment team in place, to go and scour Europe and come up with real, no, good signings for no a lot of money that have big sell-on values and have the potential to you know, make you a lot of money. I mean, take Morelos, for instance, a perfect example, but we all know that was a you know, Jonathan Johansson uh, signing for, for Finland. And I think that was before That was came before McAllen, yeah. of course. But I don't really see any others that have come in that will be know that will be like that. No, there's, there's four that have been what we would describe as imaginative. Yeah. Philip Hellander, although... Getting a defender from Serie A and Bologna, probably, you know, he's quite well known, but still, yeah, he's yeah. out. He's out with what he's, you would consider he's a three, the, he's the a normal. Million, he's a three million pound international, so he's out with what you would say would be the normal purview of what Rangers. He's not a, play, a player they've come up against in Europe or or a player that's playing in the in, in the local vicinity. Yeah. And then the three from Croatia, 
two of which the serious question, well, one's a flop, one these question marks over, and one who we think is going to be an excellent player, Nikola yeah. Katic. Um, the, the other one, just for you think, the other one probably is Aribo, and I don't want to take any credit away from Mark Allen for that, mm. if he had a big partner, because the Aribo signing, whatever way you look at it, will be a terrific signing for Rangers, because they got him for 300 grand. Yeah. There's no way they're not going to make... No, maybe even ten times that if they were to sell him on ten times or more. Yeah. Um to get a guy and that's really where a director of football does earn his corn when you can source the cross border out of contract players you not know, like Celtic did with Dembele at Fulham getting them for five hundred grand. But a lot of work has to be put into getting these guys, convincing them to you no know, to, to come to Scotland, you no know, when there are you no know, serious clubs down south wanting them. If that was a Mark Allen signing and he did all the, the groundwork for it, fair enough, you, you need to give credit for that. But I, but I do think Stephen Gerrard's had a big part to, part to play in that signing as well. A, a lot of these signings, if you start going through them, are quite obviously Gerrard, Gerrard signings. Yeah. Defoe, Flanagan, Goldson. Goldson. You're not telling me that Davis wasn't a player that Gerrard knew well. Yep. Even McGregor, a goalkeeper he played against, you know, that these would have been players that Stephen Gerrard was heavily involved bringing in. Yeah. As I say, there's there's four there from foreign markets. You go, right, those don't look like players that necessarily no. Stephen Gerrard would, would know about. But what I would say, Scott, is that given where Rangers were when Mark Allen took over, they had Pedro Cascina as their manager, and that squad, it, it was brutal, yeah. frankly. I mean, the the defence the defense in that squad was um, Wes Fodringham in goal, Lee Wallace at left back. Um, you had... Uh, uh, Tavernier. Tavernier, obviously, who stayed. And the central defenders were um, the Bruno Alves and uh, Fabio Cardoso. Yeah. So you, you compare that to Rangers' first choice backline now, it's massively improved, and you can do that through that entire that entire squad. Graham Dorans was probably the best midfield player at that time. Well, yeah. Dorans and Jack were both there. Yeah. Um, but Dorans has now been let, let go on a free. Yeah. Because he can't get anywhere near near the team. So you, there's been significant forward movement, and whether or not that's Gerard or Mark Allen, it's happened under Mark Allen's watch. Yeah. So well, ultimately, he gets the he gets the the, the plaudits for it. Definitely. And of course, he's he's swapped up Kaishina for for Gerard. Now we don't. I mean, it's been ascribed to Mark Allen. There's question marks around that for me because of Dave King's links with Liverpool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and given that we've got to imagine that Mark Allen didn't select Derek McInnes, who was clearly Rangers' priority before yeah. Steven Gerrard was, was on the radar, um, you wonder about how big a role he had in, in yeah. bringing him well, to the that, I'm, sure he would have, I'm sure he would have been key to helping attract Gerrard in yeah, by selling him the philosophy. To be fair to Mark Allen... I mean, I think Gerard and him cross paths fairly often when the uh, you no know, Man City youths were playing Liverpool youths, and you no, know, you're in that environment, especially in the, the kind of northwest. Um, no, they would have they would have came across each other uh, a few times. So, I, no, listen, I'm I'm more than willing to give Mark Allen the credit for that. Gerard was a imaginative appointment. It was a risky. Appointment given where Rangers were at the time, they go and get a guy who hadn't managed before. Um, but no, Mark Allen and the club took a gamble based on you no know, Gerard's character, personality, status as a you no know, world class player, this iconic figure. And you have to say, let's we've went over it a million times, they need to win trophies 
this season. They, no, they need to go and compete. They need to go and win, win things. But you have to say so far in terms of the progress. You no, know, you look at the the two European campaigns, the the, the qualifiers each year. You no, know, for Rangers to go and achieve that has been massive. Uh, Gerald's biggest achievement to to date to do that twice. So you have to say that it's been a success so far. Obviously, the the acid test comes comes this season, um, and next summer, if Rangers still haven't won a trophy, then well, a lot more questions will be getting will be getting asked of Gerard. How do you uh, reflect on that whole McKenna's affair now? Looking back, that was the, you know, the first time that that Mark Allen, as director of football, had an opportunity to appoint or help steer the board toward the, the board towards appointing. A manager. It seems bizarre to even have considered that now, looking back, because of the way it unfolded. Yeah, but but I still stick by my guns at the time, uh, John. I mean, two things. One, I think at that particular time, Derek. I, I can't go back and what I said now. I think you said the same. Derek McInnes for me was the best candidate at that particular time. He was the obvious guy to go for. Um. Listen, nobody knows. It's all right, people saying Rangers fancy, oh, thank God we didn't get McInnes. No, it would have been a disaster. No, you don't know that. I mean, Derek McInnes could still have been a success as, as Rangers manager. Uh, there are there are a lot of arguments that say he would have you know, be better players, more money, not the size of the club, etc., etc. So at that time, I still don't blame Rangers for, uh, for going for him. The other thing is, I think Derek McInnes himself, I mean, I haven't spoke to him about it, um, I don't no, think you'd be that specifically keen. Specifically, <laughs> no, exactly. Um, but he'll regret. He'll regret not taking that. You think job now? Yeah, I think so. Um, as I say, he might seen the backing that Gerard received financially. Yeah, because all the the vibes at the time were that that no the phrase that I kept hearing was Derek McInnes kind of took a took a look under the bonnet, if you like, uh, with Rangers and didn't like what what he saw. He didn't like the no the thought of Mark Allen hanging over him. He wasn't convinced there was serious funds there. No, there was talk at the time, I don't know whether it was true, that he had a couple of players lined up that he would have liked to have went for. I think Louis Moult was mentioned at the time, but no, wasn't convinced that Rangers had the, the wherewithal to go, and, to go and get them. That was the chat at the time. But no, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I mean, Derek McInnes is in a very good job. Aberdeen are still doing well. He's got magnificent backing, obviously, for the board and Stuart Milne up there, and you knowing they're starting at the start of something new in terms of the new training ground, new stadium, and that. So it's, you know, he's still in a very good job. But I think in the cold light of day, you know, you're talking about a guy that was, you know, that grew up as a Rangers supporter, played for the club. The cold light of day, when he looks at what's happened at Rangers since then, since Gerrard's come in, the funds that have been made available, the progress in Europe. Um, I'd be surprised. No, if Derek McInnes is really honest with himself, we, we, if he didn't, if he didn't agree that decision. We, we've meandered off the topic, and it's totally my yeah. fault for asking you <laughs> a, a poorly phrased question. So I'll, I'll go back and I'll ask it in a more focused way. Did the Rangers' pursuit of Derek McInnes tell us a lot about Mark Allen's position as director of football? Because you wouldn't have imagined that that would be the Mark Allen choice. It did look like it was more of a board choice or a Dave King driven choice. And does that maybe tell us a little <laughs> bit about the overall picture under Mark Allen? That maybe he's not that kind of, as Mark Allen said himself, that overarching um, 
head of the club that some director of footballs have been? I'm not sure, but, but I mean... <laughs> Mark I'm, Alan, I'm making the assumption Ma- that Mark he didn't Alan choose. Was, Mark Alan, yeah, Mark Allen was criticised at the time when Rangers were going after Derek McInnes because yep. people were saying, no, a bit like I've said with, with some of the players, no, why are you, what's the point of having a director of football there if we're just going for the guy? No, it's, it's three years up the road and the, the, most obvious, the most obvious choice. So I think that's why he does deserve a bit of, a bit of credit. No, yep. and the McInnes thing didn't, didn't happen. No, they could have went to Tommy Wright. Next, as a, who was also mentioned at the time as a possible Rangers he manager. He couldn't have fallen out with Amy McDonald if he'd uh, well, been Rangers exactly, manager. Yeah, that would have been... They'd have been best buddies. <laughs> if you've not uh, seen that story, guys, <laughs> go, and, go and look it up. It is top laughs. So, listen, that, as I said right at the top, that's where Mark Allen deserves, deserves credit. There's no denying that. Uh, for taking that gamble, convincing the Rangers board, convincing Stephen Gerrard that it was the right, that it was the right appointment... I don't think any Rangers fan would be would be critical of that. But yeah. there's other aspects where questions have to be raised. And now I think the biggest question is, do they actually need another another Mark Allen? We're going to round this out, this Mark Allen thing. We've done half an hour on Mark <laughs> Allen. <laughs> um, with one question, Scott, or one statement from me, and I want you to deconstruct yeah. it or, or take me to task for it. A lot of people have used Eros Gresda and Borna Barisic as examples of where Mark Allen's failed in the transfer market. It's the recruitment policy, etc., yep. etc. Does there have to be a more reflective and mature look at the markets that Rangers are working in? Because like Celtic, who have been dealing in the sort of two, three million pound market, there will be enormous successes like Alfredo Morelos or or like any number of players, you know, like Winyama at Celtic, etc., etc., where you bring them in you don't know how they're going to get on. They've got talent. They're a, they're an unpolished diamond. You polish it. Sometimes it's going to become a diamond. Sometimes it's going to be discarded. Um, is is there that needs to be that sense that in the market Rangers are working in, if they're going to a place like Croatia, they're taking a punt on these players. They need one in every three. You know, Katic will probably pay for the three of them when they sell them. Possibly. Listen, I know what you're saying. It, it's hard. It's hard it's to hard. be too hard on them for looking at a player that many people said was the best attacking player in the Croatian league. I know, but he comes but to Scotland, he can't cope with the physical aspects and the mental aspects of playing I for know, Rangers. I know, maybe, listen, it is difficult, but I'm quite hard on these scouts and recruitment people and all that because I think, I think if you do the job properly and there's the right uh, kind of structure in place and you watch guys enough, you should be able to unearth players, there are um, no, millions of players out there, I mean I watched the watched the Norwich Man City game at the weekend, yep. brilliant a yep. team that cost 6 million, beating a team that cost 400, yep. looking at guys like uh, Buendia in midfield, 1.5 million, uh, we all know about Puki obviously, there are others I'm glad that. we weren't on the Celtic no, podcast talking about Timo Puki because there must be some gold <laughs> back, <laughs> there must be some gold in those podcast archives going back a few years about Absolutely Timo Puki yeah. uh, <laughs> so I think there are players out there, Johnny, and I, I don't think I don't think going to a market. No, I don't think going to Croatia and getting three players, no, from the same neck of the woods, if you like. Uh, I think I think I might be right in saying that three of them may be the same same agent as well. So you're dealing with the one agent for three players, all for the same country. I'm not sure that's a a good road to, to go down. And listen, you're right, you're, you're shopping in a market 
know, that kind of two to three million market. And it is difficult. But are there any excuses for A, getting them wrong, and B, then no getting any money back for yeah. for a player like, like Gresda? I mean, that that's almost unforgivable to go and get a guy, go and get an international player for £2 million. And now, no, he's still sitting at the training ground because literally they can't get him to take him off the off the wage bill. That, no, Rangers, no, we've spoke a million times about Rangers trying to run the business properly and, no, the finances. Rangers can't be afford to, no, just letting £2 million players go and no getting a, no getting a tune out of them. So... That's that's where things have to improve. Yeah, I suppose with someone like Barisic, nobody would criticise Mark Allen or Stephen Gerrard for making that move because we saw him play. He looks superb. Yep. Um, he's a Croatia international. Yeah, yeah, and, you, and, and listen, he's shown yeah. elements of what he's about. Whereas with Iros Gresda, you look at him and you go, is he even a football player? Listen, that's yeah. the one that you're more yeah, inclined to Bar- criticise. Barisic has still got a lot, of, a lot of work to do, but I mean, he still popped up a couple of weeks ago and scores a... 25 yard free kick in the exactly. top corner that, that gets Rangers three points I mean that's no you can deal with that the, the guy might not be brilliant but he's contributing and he's working and you can still play him and you, no, you're no worried about playing him Gresda's no a different kettle of fish altogether Kyle Lafferty's another one no there are one or two others there that have just been no rank bad bad signings and yeah. we say Rangers Rangers just can't afford that Right, we're going to move on. You'll be thankful not to talk about Mark Allen ever again. You've got it all off your chest, Scott. Right, um, Rangers 3, Livingston 1. The thing that stood out for me, Scott, if you add this to the result against Kilmarnock on the first day of the season, there are already some signs that Rangers are better at dealing with that infamous low block. Do you feel that this is the case? What I think, John, is that... that this is a Rangers team that's better we better at dealing with adversity during a game in terms of you know, when Livy scored on Saturday and the game went on, Rangers hadn't equalised, you know, you're you're getting into the se- no in the middle of the second half. I'm sure there'll there'll have been punters out there worried saying, Here we go again. No, we're gonna struggle to get back into this game. Even if we we score, it's going to be drop points. It's going to be a draw. Going to going to drop points again. Go further behind Celtic. They'd have been getting deja vu from last season in games against, as you say, no deep line defences. Kind of bottom six teams. Can't bring yourself to say no, that low no block. No saying it. I refuse. Point blank. <laughs> I noticed last week, I was off on holiday last week, guys. He was on the podcast with Gavin Berry, and rather than say low block, he was saying deep line defences. I'm going, he's just no saying it. I refuse, I can't. I'm not having it. Can't do it. But against those type of teams, we spoke about it so often last season, how they they struggled. I do think there's been a a kind of shift in mentality Mm. this year. When things go wrong during a game... Rangers seem to find a way out of it. And listen, it's early days, it's only been two or three games, you know, like Kelly away, St Myrna away, uh, and obviously Olivia at home. But they seem to have more of a capacity now to get themselves out of bother and, and go and win the game without playing brilliantly well. And I know some punters will be will be critical, you know, pundits will even look at it and think, you know, a bit off for them. But I think the cold light of day, Rangers fans will take that every week. Maybe not playing well, but going and winning 2-1 or 3-1 or 
or one now at, at, at Kelly. I think that's the difference. Ryan Kent looked absolutely distraught when he got taken off. Yep. But, but Stephen Gerrard was quite sanguine about it and sort of said if he goes away and has two weeks and allows everything that's gone on in his life to just settle down a little bit, it might do him the world of good to have this time to go away. Is that Stephen Gerrard um, putting a, a, a happy face on negative events? Or yeah, do you think it is a, a point about how mental uh, issues in your life um, or, or change in your life can affect you on the pitch? There might be a wee bit of that, but I think it's more just trying to try to keep things positive. I yeah. mean, it's... Sod's law, I mean, many times have you seen it, new signings come in, there's so much hype, and then the guy get, gets an injury, I mean, it's just one of those things, I don't disagree with Stephen Gerrard starting Ryan Kent, I thought it was the right the right decision, he's had a pre-season with Liverpool, played in a lot of pre-season games, kept himself fit, there was no reason not to start him, especially if you want to get him a bit of game time before the, before the final game, it's literally just one of those things, and Ryan Kent is a... No, he's a seven million pound signing on a four year contract. Rangers have signed this guy for the for the long term. He go and try and win go and try and win trophies and compete in Europe for the next three or four years. Of course, there's a real emphasis on this season. They need success right away. Um but Gerard has to put a, or had to keep it keep it positive. He'll have been absolutely gutted as well when he seen uh, when he seen Ryan Kent going down. Um, on Saturday, but no, there's nothing they can do. But if they've if they've actually caught the hamstring injury fairly early, that he's no, it's not as if he's torn the hamstring. He should be back in three or four, three or four weeks, so it shouldn't be too bad. I saw some interesting stats about the goal scorer Alfredo Morelos. Obviously, he made it two one, great header, and um, it was basically comparing his record last season to this season in terms of his disciplinary issues. Because at this point last year, seven yellow cards, two red cards and 14 appearances. Uh, he'd only scored six goals this year in 13 appearances because he missed the League Cup game. He was he was left out. It's uh, 13 appearances, 11 goals, uh, two yellow cards. Yeah. Have you noticed a difference? difference? Yeah, I have. I mean, <laughs> there was a point in Saturday, I think, in the game where he, he reacted to a, a foul on Andy Halliday and you thought, oof. Oh, here he goes again. Yeah. He's going to he's going to explode again. But it, to be fair to him, he hasn't done it uh, this season really so far. The, the petulant aspect of his game, yeah, where he was flicking out at defenders or pushing defenders away, he's still got the aggression. But yeah. to me, he seems like he's curtailed that. Yeah, and I I just wonder. I think I might have said this before. I just wonder how big an impact uh, or how big an influence uh, Jermaine Defoe's been on that because you saw the. When he scored the goal, was it Saturday he scored the yep. goal or one recently where he goes to Defoe yep. after after scoring? Uh, Instagram, uh, Jeremy Defoe on Instagram had a picture of uh, Morelos running towards him and he put right. my little brother underneath well, it. There you go. And after the Hibs game, I remember the Hibs game when Defoe got the the hat trick, Morelos came on and scored two. Um, Defoe was on the pitch with the ball and the two of them were hugging and all that. I just wonder if... No, Gerard would have played a big part in it as well. We all know about the, the change in... Uh, no, the kind of disciplinary procedures at Rangers. No, he's going a bit more hard line this year. They've been they've been warned, but I just wonder whether Gerard's got the foot to get kind of inside his head a wee bit as well, and no, be a bit of a a mentor in terms of just saying, look, you don't need to you need to channel this aggression in in other ways. As you say, the goal returns been even better this season, so that would that would suggest that. So I I do think there's been a. I mean, listen, you're still always going to be a wee bit on edge with. Alfredo Morelos and feel that he could 
know, he could be tipped over uh, at certain points, but there's there's no doubt there's been a big uh, a big improvement so yeah. far. I wouldn't get any money on him not getting a red card this season just no, yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Brandon Barker got the third goal. Yep. Um, new signing, first appearance. Uh, I'm right in saying that, am I? First appearance is first time uh, off, off the bench came, for Rangers. Came off the bench at East Fife. Oh, yeah, so. so he did. Sorry, yes. So second appearance. Um, great finish. Brilliant finish. What, what did you make of his, his entrance? I thought I was at the I was actually at the Celtic game on Saturday, so I only seen uh, I seen kind of most of the second half yeah. of the Rangers game, uh, and I thought Barker played played well. Um, it's 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 different watching them now because I f- I feel as if every time you watch them at Hibs, no, they were playing on the counter attack, and it was always about his pace and behind, and no, always playing uh, kind of counter attacking football, whether it be away from home or or against better teams or whatever. No, a totally different uh, discipline now for him at Rangers, where Rangers have got all the ball, teams are camped in the half. I was actually watching him on Saturday, and you rarely seen the pace that he's got. I mean, he's got electric pace. Maybe we'll see that in European games or away from home at some of the top six clubs. But I think he'll have actually had to change his game slightly to play in this Rangers team. And it's early days, but... I thought he actually did. I thought he played well on on Saturday, and he took his goal brilliantly. I mean, Rangers had a few chances like that in the second half, and didn't take them. But he finished. Uh, he finished that brilliantly. Okay, well, we're going to move on now to the Europa Cup game at Ibrox on Thursday against Feyenoord. Eight o'clock kickoff, I believe. Yep. Um, it's going to be a big one, this, because, you know, that's a big name, historic name in European football. It's kind of like, a, as I think Andy Halliday has alluded in, in comments he made last week, yeah. it's a Champions League level team yep. and name. How do you think Rangers are going to get on in that one? I know you've spoken to someone today about the about the game. Yeah, I spoke to somebody that was at the, was at the Feyenoord game at the, at the weekend. Uh, give me a kind of a kind of rundown, if you like. <laughs> It looks as if it's going to be a really open game. That's the first thing because under Yap Stam, uh, in terms of the way Feyenoord play, very attack minded. Not what you would expect from Yap Stam. Well, exactly. Very, very open. Four three three. No fullbacks playing really high. Actually, sounds very similar to the way Rangers are trying to play in Scotland. That's the mm. way that, that Feyenoord are trying to go about it in Holland. No, like every Dutch team, they'll try and play out for the back and keep the ball in the deck. No, that that's that's no surprise now. But certainly, in terms of their game at the weekend, they flew out the traps against Den Haag. Got three goals in front, really impressive against. No, albeit a lesser side, but a mid-table, no Eredivisie team who are, who are decent. Uh, got three 0 up, and in the second half, took the took the foot off the gas totally, and actually. No, for speaking to the guy who was there, when when Den Haag put them under a bit of pressure, no defensively it was panic stations for for Feyenoord, and obviously, no that's what Rangers will look to do in, in Thursday night. If there's no, you would think there'll be a big crowd, big atmosphere. Rangers need to put them under pressure early on, I think, to see how they how they handle. I think Feyenoord. They've got a few players coming back for injury. They've got a new signing at centre back, Argentinian centre back. Don't know whether Stam's going to throw him in. I think he was seven million pounds as mm. well. Don't know Argentinian life yeah, nils. I don't know whether he's going to throw him into to that environment at Ibrox for his first his first game. But I think for Rangers' point of view, I think it will suit them. A team coming to Ibrox and having a go and taking the ball 
out of defence. Yeah. I mean, that's where Rangers will try and rob the ball high yeah. up the pitch. And I think that's when you'll see, or that's when you get the best out of uh, the likes of Ojo and Barker uh, and and probably Morelos as well in terms of the, the Rangers pace going forward. But I expect, no, from what I'm hearing, I expect a really open game. Uh, expect goals so get your money on 0-0 basically <laughs> <laughs> just um, while we mention Yap Stam Scott do you recall all the speculation that was around Yap Stam when he was at PSV because of course he was Dick Advocate's number one centre half yep. he was the, the, the up and coming force in, in uh, Dutch football at that time and there's a lot of chat about whether or not he could move to Rangers prior to that move to Manchester United I don't remember Advoca was talking about I remember at the time he was saying you know I'd love to get him he probably would want to come here but he's a wee he's very very expensive there's going to be big clubs in and there was a wee bit to and fro about whether or not that would happen so they went and get Bert Conterman well that was later <laughs> <laughs> who was it who was at the back of the ticket I think it was Daniel Prodan they bought of course, Prodan never played because no. they had Prodan, Moore, Amoruso, and yeah. Yeah, another who I can't, not off the top of my head, can't. When did Colin Hendry come in? Was that the second ah, that was, season? That, no, that was the first that season first as well, season? yeah. So but Hendry that was later. Out. That was a sort of like September thing, yeah. signing, I think. But Listen, if he would have been some signing, eh? Stan would have been some <laughs> signing. I mean, you look at what he did at, at Man United. Um, and even after Man United... Well, that's what I was going to say. That was To me, that was the most impressive thing about his career. He's the one player Fergie got totally wrong. Yeah. He let him go at 28 and he went away and had seven years and at Ferguson AC Milan. Admit, Ferguson admitted that, didn't he? He was yeah. the, one, the one big mistake. But that's the thing. We, we were speaking to Stephen Gerrard last week and uh, he was talking about the last time, obviously, he came up against Yapstam was that 2005 Champions League final uh, against AC Milan. Now, obviously, I watched that game at the time. I've watched it countless times since. I still couldn't have told you Yapstam played centre-back that night. I just had it in my head that it was Nesta and Maldini playing playing centre-back for Milan. So, as you say, I mean, to leave Man U under those circumstances, normally your career can start to go, go down the way. But then went and played in another, no, another one or two Champions League finals, played in Serie A with, with Lazio as well. So, um, yeah, he went no, to Lazio first and then went to Milan first, later. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Right, yeah. No, a terrific career, brilliant defender on the Frangers. No, if Advocate could have got him at the time, uh, he would have made a massive difference to, to Rangers. There's so many great what ifs of exactly. the Advocate era. You know, remember Ronaldo, and there was yeah. a, there was I think Van Nistelrooy was close. John Hartson as well. John Hartson, of yeah. course, but that was a that was a field medical, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's but, right. I mean, he didn't have. Uh, show that to be yeah, a exactly. nonsense. That's all from us here at the Record Rangers podcast. We'll be back uh, next week. Uh, we'll probably be able to look back on the Feyenoord game and uh, the game at the weekend. Um, if you have anything to say to us, keep it clean. You can get me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Scott at Scott McDermott 8. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I've actually remembered that. It's quite impressive. Um, so until then, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.